0: Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of the Family Prosperity Podcast. I'm Michael Redden, and Happy New Year out there, to everybody. This is uh, the first podcast episode of the new year, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about you know what you should be thinking about as far as asset protection goes for the new year. Uh, this is probably the best chance you have to you know really start things off right. You know, we've got that New Year's resolution stuff that goes on right around this time of year. And I really want to talk to you about doing some New Year's resolutions for your business. These are probably different New Year's resolutions than uh, you're used to. We're not talking about money or how much you're going to make or what you're doing for your different processes. or really even dealing with your employees uh, so much as, you know, the uh, making money side of the business, right? We're talking about um, conducting business. And what do I mean by that? Well, there's a lot of businesses out there. Even businesses that make millions and millions of dollars nowadays, especially those ones that are you know the the LLCs and not the inks, especially those that have one shareholder, maybe two shareholders, and there's a lot of uh, family wealth that's held in that in that uh, uh, fashion, right? That first wealth creator holds it, and then they pass it on maybe to their children or some others. But there's a small group, and when there are those small groups, we tend to you know, fly by the seat of our pants a little bit, you know. Uh, I can't tell you how many times that I come across different businesses and I say, you know, uh, when was the last time you guys had your shareholder meeting? What about the meeting of the partners or or a member meeting for an LLC? And you know what? They really don't ever have them. They just don't. They go about their business and every now and then they meet, have a lawyer or someone look at the books, but they don't really sit down and have those scheduled meetings and really talk about their business. They, they have staff meetings, they bring employees in and things like that, but they don't conduct that business. And conducting business is different than being in business. It's not sales. And this is very important for asset protection because these are called corporate formalities. And these corporate formalities are what makes your business different from you. Okay? Just because you go down to the Secretary of State and you file some paperwork and make an LLC or a partnership or even a corporation with that ink on the end, just because you do that doesn't mean that that thing really exists. That's always our goal, of course. In the asset protection context, we want to have that corporation so that our business can be its own person, it can be separate from us, and that's the same thing that happens with our family, right? We want our family to be a real, breathing person, a living family, so that it can be separate from us and live on beyond us. And we want that to own our business, but we still have to run it like a business. And the way we do that is we have these meetings, right? We come together and we actually make those decisions. A lot of the things we're talking about when we're talking about our family policies and decisions, they kind of mirror a little bit what we are going to see in the business context. But it shouldn't surprise many of us that we don't do this with our families because we don't really do it with our business. At least when they're closely held businesses like that, most American businesses don't do it. And why is that? Well, you know, a lot of times we'll say, you know, there's just one or two owners. We just talked about it and we're done. No documentation, no formal meetings, none of those motions and things. And that really gets in the way of thinking it's like a business, right? Pretty soon we start just doing things. Sometimes we may even start just paying different bills. Maybe we start putting our personal bills and things onto the corporate credit card or onto the corporate bank account. Instead of taking it out and putting it in our account first, we start paying them. And what does this do in asset protection, right? This lets us look at that business and say, is that really a business or is it really you? In the law, they call this an alter ego, the other person. Is it a different person or just another one of you? That's the real question. And if you want your business to be separate from you so that its creditors don't automatically become yours, if someone sues it so they don't actually sue you or any of those disasters were to happen, then you'd want to make sure that you're different. Because if there's really no difference between you and it, then It's going to go right through there and the law is going to say, yep, didn't run like a business. We're going to ignore it. Even though there was an LLC there, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And It didn't look like a business. It looked like you. You and your brother, you and your partner. It looked like you guys. It didn't look like a real business. So one of the big things I would encourage you to do, and especially if you've got one of those businesses that have been large enough to scale in things, is start making those New year's resolutions, right? And one of those should be that you're going to have one of these corporate meetings at least twice this year. It's probably better to have them quarterly. Heck, you could even make it to where your family meeting, if you're a family business, also has a section that's actually your uh, company's business, right? A lot of family businesses have those folks who run those businesses and if they're going to have a family meeting and you're going to discuss business topics and family topics, you could actually make those meetings be the same. The people who vote in it, a lot of times they're going to be present for those family meetings and the major business, uh, meaning the major decisions you've got to make for that business, the really big ones are probably ones the family's interested in anyway even if all the family members don't vote, you you can get their opinions and things, and then you can actually have them voted on and have minutes for your corporate meeting just like you have minutes for your family meeting. Have those same resolutions and things and have these things documented. That's the real key here. When you go to banks a lot of times now, especially if you've got a corporation, what do they want from you, right? They want that resolution saying who can sign the bank accounts and things. You also have that documentation about The company deciding to take out debt. The company deciding your goals. The company deciding to buy those uh, new vehicles. The company deciding to buy that building. So that it's clear it's not just you. When many businesses first start out, the entrepreneur goes and gets that LLC just so they can have that business name. And they really got it for one reason only. So they can look professional Look like what they're expected. Look the way they're supposed to look, but that comes with those responsibilities. There's a lot of times where they don't even keep their books up to date for a little while, right? They'll maybe hire bookkeepers in the year, of the year, to go do it. They definitely didn't document any of these decisions and things like that. And you know that might work when you're a smaller business. The problem is, even as our businesses grow and we start having staff meetings and we hire staff, we get more formal in those processes. But we don't actually get more formal when it comes to our business governance. And when we're talking about family governance, we've seen that same trend, right? There's no real formalities. It's not formal. There's no real process in place. It just kind of happens. And being deliberate about that is how we save our families and keep them alive. But it's also going to be, for that asset protection standpoint, how we're going to protect our business and protect us from it. That business exists to keep all those dangers out there from running a business and dealing with contracts and potentially accidents and things, depending on what business you're in. It exists to keep that away from us and separate from us and our money. And so we have to be deliberate about that piece because to get from this generation to the next, we've got to have great asset protection and they get from to every generation going forward beyond that that's when you need to add family governance and you got to have a living family that has that asset protection how many of you out there running in one of these family businesses these closely held businesses know what the corporate offices are not the president the general manager and things but then the actual documents you know is there a president is there a chairman is there a board have you defined that before I bet it's defined in your uh, shareholder agreement, in your corporate bylaws, in your articles of organization, your articles of incorporation. But beyond the first time you had that attorney draft them up, have you really looked back at them? I found sometimes that even businesses that are doing $20 million a year, closely held, have not gone back and actually looked at that and seen what they were supposed to have. If there's a really major decision like... They need to issue some shares or sell some some to somebody. They'll go back to their lawyer and they'll realize, oh, I'm the chairman too. I'm the president too. Oh, my boy's the secretary. Oh, my daughter's the chief financial officer. Great. But they didn't really know that. It was just something that happened years ago. And they never looked back again because they're not really meeting like a board, not really making those decisions. And there should have been corporate resolutions talking about bringing on new partners and how these things go should be talking about any of those major debts, any major contracts. Those are the uh, way you're going to protect yourself. Because when you start talking about what you meant to do in business, what your intention was, that's a big deal. I think everyone out there, whether they're trained in the law or not, know that most of the time what you intend matters what you were thinking, what you wanted, whether or not you're acting in good faith. All that stuff matters. Sometimes it matters the most. It's never completely irrelevant. It's always at least relevant, but sometimes it's even controlling. And if we want to look back and say, what did the company intend when they did this? When we adopted this policy, when we made that transaction, what was important to us? How are we going to know? If you didn't document it and have meeting minutes and resolutions, how are you going to know? It's the same principle we've used for family governance, right? How are we really going to know what mom and dad intended or what we've always done or why it's always been or what the history is? It makes sense for our families. We really need to have it for our business. Outside of large corporations, that have shareholders. Shareholders who aren't all family. I don't see this being done well very much. This is something we could really improve on. And Now that we're starting a new year. You could make that resolution. And just start making it a habit. Schedule those meetings on there. You already know the items you're going to discuss. If you don't. It's probably a good time to talk to your attorneys. Say hey what should we be talking about. Every time you make a major tax decision. There should be one in there. How many of you at some point or another decided you were going to be an S corporation or a partnership. How many of you decided that at one point? That's a major tax decision. Did you have a company meeting and make that decision? Is it documented? Is it in paper? It should be. For a lot of corporate entities now, the IRS even requires you to tell them who's the tax responsible person. If we have questions, who should we talk to? Have you decided that? Is that stuff documented? Or are you going to leave it up to the IRS to decide who's responsible? Who can speak for the company? Those things are very important. In Minnesota, in our state here, it's very important too because we've changed a lot of our business laws lately to make things kind of go to where if you haven't made certain decisions, there are certain liabilities that come your way. And you really need to document these things. It doesn't sound as scary as it sounds, but you should at least be meeting and talking about the business, talking about your goals, where you're wanting to go, reviewing financial statements, reviewing policies, making sure that your procedures are in line with what you're intending. If there's been major changes in your industry, major changes in licensing, if you're wanting to bring on a partner, if you've got key employees that you want to keep, there should be resolutions talking about what you want to offer them. If you're getting towards that transition period, which is a lot of times that's one of the big things we talk about, right? Well, you should be talking about why you're doing things and putting those in meeting minutes. So everyone knows what happened. Everyone knows what they're obligated to do. And so it can help you put that thought through that process. Because if something goes wrong, and we hope it never does, but you know, accidents happen. We want to be able to document why we made decisions so someone can't look at something and then say, "Oh, you guys were negligent or you guys discriminated against me. You did this just because of this. Well, if you've got those minutes and things documented down, it's kind of hard for them to just jump to those conclusions, right? It was documented well in advance that it was for a different reason, a good reason. And if you come in there and you make the decision at the corporate level to do bonus structures and other things, you get a lot more difficulty when it comes to piercing that corporate veil, right? That's the real thing from an asset protection context that we're worried about. Beyond it being just good business sense to run your business this way, you're having all those staff meetings. Some of those issues that come up at staff meetings really are corporate issues before they're staff issues and should be documented. That's what we always intend. That's what the law still looks for. Meetings of the members, meetings of the partners, meetings of the shareholders, meetings of the board. We don't do that, but we should. But the biggest reason is we want it to look like a real business. If you never have one of those meetings, did you have a corporation? Did you have a limited liability company? Or was it really just you? Okay. Just you operating under a name. Or was it a real business? And that's what you don't want the lawyer of someone suing to be asking about. When lawsuits start and big fights start, what's one of the most common things that I get to see usually, or I've seen and my colleagues still see but that comes through? Questions geared towards finding out did you run this like a business? I want to know what happened. If you're liable, and I want to know if I can get through the business and get to you. I want to know which pockets I can get into. Yeah, we ask about insurance. Yeah, we ask about proof we need for our claims. But they also ask, you know, can I see corporate bank records? Were there resolutions about this? Can you get get the minutes of the last three meetings? We're looking for anything to open up the door to let us say. That business, it doesn't exist to protect you here. You didn't run it like a business. This wasn't something you did. So we're coming in there to get you. A lot of this comes back too, also to supervision. Did you supervise someone properly? Because it's not just you. What if your employees go out there and mess up and get into accidents and do things to hurt people? Is what they were doing part of their job? Should you be held responsible? Did you document policies? Were you doing? Were you uh, uh, managing them, and supervising them properly? How are you going to know without that stuff in place? There's other liability too. Something could happen with your partner or another shareholder or another officer, and they could say, you know, you're an officer of the business. You should have been monitoring everybody. What'd you do? Did you have a meeting? Did you talk about anything? It doesn't take that much time to have a meeting. Talk about what's going on in the business. Adopt the business plans. Talk about major initiatives. Talk about major policies. Everyone saying they've read them and bringing them in there and and approve. It doesn't take much to talk about those major decisions. We just don't do it. And that's really something that we should do because beyond having an entity which we should all have if we got businesses right we want to separate that business from us and us from that business to get it separated from there we've got to have that other person in the way right i tell folks a lot of times that they say you know we've got these fictitious people right well these fictitious people being our corporations and things we're, we're really making them our bodyguards right If you want to come in and you want to get to talk to the president, right, you can't just run up to him and talk to him. Got to go through the Secret Service guys and all that stuff and go through all the checkpoints to get to him. A lot of famous people have the same thing. No one just runs at you on the street like that, right? There's someone there that's going to be kind of in between you and them. That's what these are. The first thing you're really doing is you're making this real-life person, this real-life business and yeah it's got a profit motive it's got a profit incentive you know you're making money through this what it really is is it's the face of you to the public and it's your bodyguard the buck stops with them and how strong how big do you want your bodyguard to be do you want a skinny guy dripping wet that weighs 112 pounds someone might try just to plow that one over and come talk to you right Come get you. That's not what you intend. You want to have this 10 foot tall, ripped, strong, experienced bodyguard. You want that man or that woman to be able to just be imposing, not be able to get through, to be thick, to be solid. That's what we're looking at here. Okay? How solid is that bodyguard? How real is your business? Because, from an asset protection standpoint, that's the purpose it serves. It's also, you know, the business itself that's doing the business out there, but it's handing the money to you, right? You're not taking the money direct from the customers, the business is. At least that's the theory behind it. And so, that person, just like your business and just like you, should have those documents, should make those decisions, should have a mind of its own, and that's how you prove it. I don't want to belabor the point anymore, but this is a very important one. And as you're making your first family meetings of the year and things like that, why don't you go ahead and make a corporate family corporate meeting? You're putting an agenda of the things you want to talk about on your family meeting. Do the same thing for your business. Doesn't matter how small it is. It could be a short one, it could be a big one. Just have documentation. Write up some minutes. Keep track of the decisions, just like you're doing for your family meetings. Keep them in your corporate book. Ask your attorney if you're questioning at all the format they should be in or what they should look like. That's what you need to do. So so let's start 2020 off right with our family meetings and our corporate uh, governance. Uh, This is more the... uh, Less technical, the asset protection kind of ones. These are usually pretty technical, but I think it's something we often overlook. You know, we look into the trusts and the different bank accounts, what we can do here and there and there, and how we should title things and who should own them. And we take for granted that we should have an entity, but that comes with some responsibility. So I hope everyone had a really happy new year. Looking forward to 2020. The podcast is going to keep going through. We're going to be having some guests coming on pretty soon. I'm pretty sure that uh, this coming Wednesday, we're probably going to have our very first podcast coming out where we have a guest. And that's going to be Alex Morrill of the... uh, the Twin Cities Wellness Connection, because we talk a lot about wellness, and you know, Mason does and I do. And he runs a uh, podcast that's just about wellness itself and all the different ways you can find help with wellness and community and connection and things like that. And so we interviewed him for the podcast, and that'll be coming out really soon. We'll probably put out some teasers and things of it on YouTube, and the video will go on YouTube, but the audio, of course, will be going on to the podcast most likely next Wednesday. So keep looking for that and we'll talk to you again soon.